Well, good day, everyone. Getting my screen adjusted here just a little bit, so I'll be ready to to go with our message today. We have uh, an an exciting and surprising development for today's lesson. We are jumping ahead from where we are actually at in our reading of Isaiah. And I'm very grateful to everybody who has been uh, following through our our reading schedule and staying on task and, and keeping up with it. That's an amazing accomplishment. And uh, this week, uh, we are and we are just kind of we have just kind of finished up the first section of Isaiah and have moved into uh, today. I, I think actually you you jump into a, Isaiah chapter 40, which is the beginning of the second section of the book, which is a lot more. A, a lot more of the promise of restoration, whereas the first half was judgment is coming, doom upon all the nations, on Israel, on Judah. Uh, so the, the the focus changes on the latter part of the book. And we are going to jump ahead to one chapter that we wanted to teach from Isaiah chapter 55. And there's just so much wonderful stuff in this chapter that we we wanted to go ahead and do it in two weeks. So today is... Isaiah chapter 55, part number one, and next week we're going to finish uh, chapter 55 and um, and not discussing every single verse, but just discussing uh, some of the things we see in there that are important. So Isaiah chapter uh, 55, this is following last week where we looked at Isaiah chapter two, which was an inv- invitation to everyone in this fallen world to come to the highest ground. You know, it seems like everybody takes the low ground today and everybody is just bashing everybody else and it's the age of rage. But Jesus invites everybody to come to the high ground, to come to the highest ground, which was the mountain of the Lord. And this was um, a picture of the Lord's church, of his kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven that is reigning here on this earth. If you'll only come to it and be a part of it, And so today we learn a little bit about why that invitation is so good. We're going to learn some more about this invitation. So we go to Isaiah chapter 55. Turn there with me. And there's a little bit of difference in the translations, and I could not figure out why. So I'm just going to go with the New American Standard. Um, And it begins by saying, Ho! (laughs) <laughs> funny little word here, isn't it? Translate, somebody translate ho. Well, my translation is, hey, check this out. Everybody listen up. This is good stuff here. This is a, a call to pay really good attention to this chapter. Ho, lo, listen, everybody. Check this out. And the words here come then. I just want to read verse number one now. It says, everyone who thirsts, Come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. First of all, this idea of everyone who thirsts. Now, we don't really, you know, we know what it's like maybe to be thirsty. You know, I need, anybody got something to drink? I'm a little bit thirsty. But when you talk to people 
in this arid region of the world, when you think over there to that land, when you think of people going over into Iraq and Iran, you think about some of the, the uh, when they go over there to uh, fight our wars and you think about them out there in the deserts. Well, the land of Judah also had its its deserts. Not all of it was arid. Not all of it was was brown. There was some green, but much of it was, uh, you, you know, when somebody traveled, you better make sure you have some water with you because it's, it's an arid region. It can get pretty dry and pretty warm over there. And this invitation to anyone or everyone who thirsts, they knew what it was like at times to truly thirst. And the invitation here, it says, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And we're going to flash to a passage that we we looked at not too long ago when we were studying the Psalms. In John chapter 7, verse number 37, Jesus is it's being spoken of here, and this is during the one of the festivals in Jerusalem. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, and I almost wish he had started this with ho. <laughs> but Jesus cried out, saying, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. Anybody who's thirsty, come to Jesus. Come get the living water. You know, and it's very possible that, you know, he did. I don't, we don't have his full sermon here, do we? Guarantee he said a little bit more than this. Maybe he started out by saying, ho, everybody listen. Come to me. Come to me and drink. That's the invitation of Jesus. I want to go ahead and read verse 38 also, because when we read down a little farther, I think it'll be relevant. Verse 38 says, He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. You know, this isn't just, hey, if you're thirsty, come get a little sip. This is Jesus has the abundant life. If you're hungry, he's going to have the abundant food, the good stuff. And so let's go back to Isaiah then. But Jesus is the one who truly is the fulfillment of this, that anybody who's thirsty, you come to him. At the end of uh, verse number one, uh, or towards the middle, it says, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Hey, if you got no money, no problem. It's free. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. It's free. It's free. It's free. It's free to all. All you have to do is have a desire and realize your need for what Jesus offers and come to him. Come to him and drink. On to verse number two. Verse number two reads, Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. You know, when Jesus calls us to him, and it's alluded to in this verse, it's just, God, God is saying, quit wasting your time. 
Quit wasting your money. Quit wasting wasting your energy. Quit wasting your whole life on stuff that doesn't satisfy you, stuff that doesn't bring you peace, that only leads you leaves you wanting more, 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 and saying there's got to be something more, and you keep searching and keep looking and keep looking, and the things in the world just don't satisfy. And here we are, we're in a day and age where we have our devices that get our constant attention and they constantly call us to us and they're constantly going ping. And we're like, Ooh, Ooh, something for me to see. We live in the day and age where there is, um, what's the, the FOMA fear of, uh, wait, fear of missing out FOMO. Okay. Fear of missing out. It's like, we got to keep up with everything. We got to know what's happening. We got to be in contact with our friends 24 seven or we got to know that we're involved in what's happening. Make sure we're a part of the group and in the know. And this constant access to media, it steals life from us. And we've got to be careful not to get caught up in that. There was, um, I'm looking at a, a clip that I made uh, that I grabbed from the U.S. News and World Report. There was an article uh, from this year. And the the title of it is More Evidence Links Social Media Use to Poorer Mental Health in Teens. It says, in one U.S. study, the rate at which kids and teens arrive in hospitals due to suicidal thoughts or attempts almost doubled between 2008 and 2015 with the highest increase among adolescent girls, the research, researchers noted. U.S. overdoses, overdose rates for young people ages 10 to 18, which has previously been on the decline. You hear that? Overdoses have been on the decline, increased substantially from 2011 to 2018, primarily among girls, another study found. And a third note here is at the same time, the proportion of United of young people in the U.S. who between the ages of 13 and 17 years who have who have a smartphone has reached 89 percent, which that's a I thought it'd be even higher than that, wouldn't it? you know how many people have smartphones? Well, it's almost 90 percent of 13 to 70 year 17 year olds. It more than doubled over a six year period. The data review said at the same time, 70% of teenagers use social media multiple, multiple times per day, up a third of teens in 2012. So in other words, the number of people who have cell phones uh, ages 13 and 17 has gone up. And the number of times that people are, these young people are accessing social media has greatly increased. And that's just news that we know. We know that's very logical. We know that we see it. We even see it in ourselves. We know that we as adults even get into this. We see other adults walking around with their face in their phones. And the the article notes, it says, well, of course, it's tough to tell whether the rise in social media and smartphone use is actually causing an increase in rates of mental health issues among teens. However, other data seems to suggest it might be. So the question for nowadays is, 
is this, is people, I got my smartphone here, so smart, isn't it? You know, as people gravitate to these things and are constantly looking at these things, whether it's watching videos, getting information, keeping up with the news, keeping up with friends, keeping up with whatever it is. And as we continue to put our face and our attention into this thing, do you think that that's going to help our mind? Do you think that's going to give us fulfillment? Or are we going to come away from it just like any addiction does? Anytime people are addicted to anything, that it gains control over them, we, when we actually take a moment to go away from it and put it down, we're always like, you know, that's just, it's not doing me any good. You know, anybody who is honest with themselves with addictions, whether it be a, a, an addiction to drugs, to alcohol, to, to sex, to pornography, to, to phones, to, um, to, you know, whatever the hobby might be. If you're addicted to it, you always come away thinking, you know, this isn't really good for me. And the amount of time that we're putting into our devices, folks, it is just not helping us. It is not bringing us peace. It is only making us long for something more and third for something that we don't have. And that's if we don't have God. And we realize that those devices and those tools that can be used to draw us closer to God, if we're not using them for that, then they're pulling us away from God. And we got to be careful. We got to make sure that we're not wasting our time, wasting our money, wasting our energy, wasting our life on things that will never satisfy. Verse number two of Isaiah 55, again, it reads, why do you spend money for what is not bread? You know, basically he was saying, you know, why are you, why are you buying junk food? Why do you waste your money on stuff that is not helping you? that is not fulfilling you and making you healthier and your wages for what does not satisfy. And the last point there, he says, listen careful to me, carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Now, who do you think is going to provide you with good things and provide you with abundance? Who is going to give you the abundant life? And that is Jesus Christ, your creator. Make him your Lord and come to him. Remember what he said at the beginning. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Jesus is that source of living water. Come to him. Now on to verse number three. Verse number three says, incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies shown to David. Incline your ear. It's like Jesus is 
now in instead of yelling he's now he's whispering he's just saying please come come and you got to turn incline your ear to him listen to him come to me he says listen that you may live it's the good life that's being offered and it's, an, it's a covenant where you can be in a relationship with God. That is the covenant. God did something for you. What are you going to do for him? Are you going to bring your life together with him? He offers an everlasting covenant. And since we're looking in this book of Isaiah, in relationship to Isaiah 2 that was forecasting a great lasting kingdom that would rise above all the others and you know, he invited you to come to that kingdom, come to that mountain. And in light of this verse where it's offering a new covenant, God is going to make a covenant with us. I want to read um, Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, verses 14, uh, 14 through 20. And I think, you know, we've already partaken of the Lord's Supper today, but I, I think every time that we partake of the Supper, it should, that communion feast, it should remind us that we are in the kingdom of God. We are in that kingdom that rises above all kingdoms, and we are participants in this new covenant. God has, has brought us into relationship. He has made a promise to us, and we need to respond to that promise in the appropriate way. Luke 22, starting in verse number 14. When the hour had come, he reclined at the table and, and the apostles with him. And the apostles, oh, excuse me, and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you that I will never eat it, never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. So there's our picture of the kingdom. He's saying it's going to be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. So when he rises from the dead and he comes back and he participates in this feast with them, he is participating with them in that kingdom. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, He said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten saying, This cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So Jesus, who calls us to him and who wants to be in this wonderful relationship with him, who wants wants us to come to his kingdom, a kingdom where you can have fulfillment and You can have peace in your life. You can be filled with joy because you have put aside the things of the world and you are not focused on them any longer. Jesus is inviting us to that. And he and he says it's all free, except for the fact that he was going to pay a great price. So he died 
And the new covenant that we have was it's it's paid for by his blood. It's free to us. It wasn't free to him. He gave his life so that you could be in a relationship with him forever. So remember that there's an everlasting covenant that's offered to you. It's available to you in Jesus Christ. I do have one more, um, a, a little challenge for anybody who likes to dig into scripture a little bit. And that is for, you can do this on your own. You can get back, you can email me or call me or whatever if you want to, or text. Um, verses four and five, I'm not going to cover them, but I'm curious what you think about four and five. What do these verses mean? How do they fit into the context? What's the, what's the point of these verses? So you can do that on your own, but I want to get right to uh, the impact of the message for us this week. I want to challenge you for this week to track how you spend your time, to pay attention to it, even if it's just as simple as at the end of the day, writing, you know, just putting some pencil, taking a pencil or a pen to paper and paying attention to how you spent your time. What did you do? Where? Because remember, this up here, it was Jesus's call to us in this passage. And I, I say it's Jesus. It was it's an Old Testament passage, but the, the, it's calling us to quit wasting our money, time, energy, quit wasting our lives on things that will never satisfy. So there are things that are stealing our lives away from us. And we need to make sure we come to Jesus and eat what is good and to delight ourselves in abundance. So track how you spend your time. And make adjustments in your life so that you will eat what is good and that you will delight yourself in abundance. And if you're not a Christian, if this, this message about Jesus and you're hearing about Jesus and it's a wonderful message about Christ that was written hundreds of years before Christ even came. And you're seeing how God is at work and he's calling you and you hear when the, when the message comes that Jesus says, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. When you hear that, if that doesn't stir you, then I, I, I hope you'll just keep digging in and, and searching and learning. Because I think we're all thirsty for something better. We know that the things of this life, they don't fill us up. They only leave us wanting more. Aren't you thirsty for something better than what the world offers? Well, Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. So if you need to come to Jesus, I encourage you to reach out, get a hold of me, get a hold of somebody that, that you know is, is trustworthy with the, this message, with the truth. And tell them you want to know more about Jesus. You want to understand Jesus or that you need to make a decision to follow Jesus. You want to be in a covenant with him for all of your life. And you can do that if you believe in him. If you're willing to confess his name and say that he is the Lord and that there is no other. And that you're willing to repent of your sins and grab on to a new life in Christ. And you can be baptized into Jesus and he will wash your sins away. Though your sins be as scarlet, blood-stained lives. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Come to Jesus. 
So if you need to respond, we've got a song that we're going to sing. We encourage you to consider Christ and consider the call of him and come to him today. If you need to respond, you, you let us know as we sing this song.